Good afternoon and welcome to Midday Magazine for Monday, April 24th. I'm Shelby Herbert reporting for KFSK. Petersburg School District's Finance Director Karen Morrison is resigning at the end of the school year. Morrison has held the position for 12 years. She's moving to Juneau to work for the State Department of Education and their finance department. KFSK's Rachel Cassandra talked to her about time in Petersburg and how she landed in the realm of finance. Morrison says her her path was far from linear. So I attended college right out of high school, and I was a finance and IT major at the time. I did not graduate. I decided instead to follow the Grateful Dead, so I made my way out west. And then after I was married and sailed a sailboat to Alaska, kind of settled down, I was regretting the fact that I didn't get my degree. So I definitely believe the motto of don't live in regret, so I went back and got my degree from UAS. And I got several awards in graduation. One was outstanding graduate. Prior to starting at the school, I had a private bookkeeping practice. I had several businesses in town. was a stay-at-home mom, which I loved. And then after getting the job, I finished my bachelor's, and then I went on to get my master's. And my master's is in school business leadership. And then I became president of the the Alaska Association of School Business Officials. 2020, when I was president, the COVID year, they awarded me the Alaska School Business Official of the Year. So that since then, it's just been status quo. Tell us about where you're going. So I have accepted the position at the State of Alaska Department of Education as the Director of School Finance and Support Services. So I'll be working with 54 districts instead of one. And you said it's a great career move for you. Can you talk a little bit about how you see that going? Sure. don't really know what my daily life is going to look like, but I'll work, be working a lot more with legislators and writing fiscal bills and writing rules and regulations and legislation for implementing different aspects of school finance. I'll be overseeing the school nutrition program at the Department of Education, as well as the CIP program, and then the school finance, which I'm most versed in because all the reporting that I do for the Petersburg School District is the same reports that all districts have to have to submit. And do you want to share a little bit about, you know, what it's like for you and your family to be moving away from Petersburg right now? Well, I will say that this was not an easy decision to make because I'm very vested in this community as well as the school district. I really feel like my kids have had an amazing academic opportunity as well as just personal growth opportunity growing up in Petersburg. But at the same time, it's a great career opportunity. This position, I don't think, has been open for at least 10 years. And so when that job opening came across my desk, I knew I needed to at least try for it. The more I learned about it, the more excited I was becoming about the position. And I still feel that way. What exactly do you find so exciting about this new position? What are you looking forward to? One of the things that really drew me to it is the leadership ability. Not that I'm not in leadership here at Petersburg, but I think being able to assist, you know, 54 districts is very appealing to me. Being in a great leadership team is important for me. We do have a great leadership team in Petersburg as well. 
and just the career challenge, I feel like I'll use more of my master's degree and just learning opportunities constantly. I'm still looking for professional development and growth. And so this is what I hope to be my last job before I retire. The next person for this position, they have big shoes to fill. It's a really complicated job. Interviewing you for stories, it's really clear that you know every nitty-gritty detail of the budget for the school. What are your thoughts on the next person? I've been thinking about this a lot. We have a good transition plan in place. And I keep going back to the fact that, you know, 11 years ago, the superintendent at the time, uh, Dr. Robert Thomason, he hired me. I knew nothing about school finance. I knew nothing about even government um, finance. And he took a a chance on me, and um, I was able to learn it. Most of these tasks that I do are learnable. And I just remind this individual, because we have hired somebody, but I can't announce who, that everything's learnable. And when I walked in, I didn't know anything. They will get it. They're smart. They're super smart. And when you look back on your time here, what sticks out to you? The people. Our staff at the Petersburg School District, I'm going to speak specifically about the school. They're really dedicated they really care. I've seen it in my own kids' education, but I've seen it just witnessing how much time and effort all staff in the district put into the school district. And that level of commitment in a small community really changes the experience, I think, academically and educationally. I always say that, you know, I feel like my kids got a private education in a public institution. And you've seen the school go through a lot of different phases with budgets and and how tight they've been. Do you have any reflections on what you've seen in your time watching that? Timely and adequate funding at the state level is a huge aspect of trying to build a budget for any school district in the state. We often don't know what we're actually receiving from the state of Alaska until July, which makes it very challenging to build a budget especially since we usually give contracts out no later than March. So that's definitely been a challenge the whole time I've been here. And it's with all districts. It's not just Petersburg. So I think our top priority at the state level with the Alaska Council of School Administrators is is timely and adequate funding. That was Petersburg School District Finance Director Karen Morrison speaking with KFSK's Rachel Cassandra. Morrison is resigning in June. She held the position for 12 years and will help train her replacement. Sea Alaska Heritage Institute has offered summer internships for Alaska Native and Native American high school students interested in STEAM careers. That's science, technology, engineering, art, and math. But this year, the first winter internship is bringing one Juno student who loves to ski in, out into avalanche terrain. Anna Canny reports from Juno. Bears usually wake up around this time of year in mid-April amid warming temperatures and longer daylight hours, according to Jason Harriman, an area biologist with the Alaska Department of Fish and Game based in Homer. Typically a bear will come out of its den you know, and stay within the area of that den for a little while. So they, they don't uh, just pop out of their den and then immediately take off wandering around. Um, they'll typically come out and and hang around that den site to make some some small forays. 
Though bears hibernate between four and seven months during the winter, that doesn't mean they're sleeping the whole time. Some bears will emerge during the winter months, particularly if there's food around or their den is damaged by weather. Or Harriman says sometimes they shift and move around their dens like sleeping dogs. But he says sightings in winter aren't unusual. Usually these are our younger bears, um, you know, and, and so sometimes we will get sightings in December and January of a bear that's fattened uh, up to its legs for a little bit, but uh, usually they don't wander too far. Bears have adapted to survive without food or water for the winter, and their body fat from months of feeding on fresh salmon, berries, and vegetation is converted to energy. Their body temperature and heart rates fall dramatically, and a bear's breathing can slow to one breath every minute. As the spring sunshine warms their dens, Harriman says both black and brown bears begin to emerge. Our large males are getting up first. Our sows with cubs are kind of some of the later bears come out of the dens, and they typically tend to hang around the den a little bit more, you know, given those time because it's the first time they've been out in the world. When adult bears emerge, some have lost up to a third of their body weight and they're hungry. Harriman says the first food source is the first fresh green vegetation of the year. As you're looking out across Kachemak Bay, you can watch that snow line slowly melt up the hill. And so those bears, you can actually track them going up the hill along with that snow line as it melts back. For bears adjacent to neighborhoods, Harriman says it's also that time of year to secure bear attractants. That means outdoor trash cans, compost, and especially bird feeders and any pet or livestock feed. We've had bears pull feed sacks out of the back of pickups, and then uh, the next day we've had somebody put that feed sack inside the cab of the pickup, and bear rips open the door of that pickup to get at that feed sack. So once a bear learns about an attractant in an area, they come back to it really good at finding that food source. And so it's really important that folks clean up these attractants before the bears get up and make sure there aren't any out for them. Residents should secure trash in bear-resistant containers. Outdoor barbecues or smokers should be cleaned and outdoor freezers or fridges locked or moved indoors. It's best to have those inside in a garage. If you do have them outside, you know, they need to be locked. You should probably even put an electric fence around them because bears have no problem ripping open the doors of those even when they are locked. Harriman suggests securing outdoor items or livestock with electric fencing. And Fishing Game has instructional videos on its website on how best to set those up. And Harriman reminds the public it's a responsibility to do so, to reduce human-bear contact. If you have any attractants out, you cannot legally shoot a bear for defense of life and property because you have not done your part in making sure that that bear is not being attracted to where you are at. So we actually have a law that addresses that, um, and it falls under intentionally or negligently feeding wildlife. That's why we really stress to folks to get these attractants taken care of, get them put away, because that will reduce the chances of negative human-bear interactions in, in our communities. For more information and resources for living in bear country, visit the Alaska Department of Fish and Games website. In Homer, I'm Corinne Smith. 
That was Corinne Smith and Homer reporting on the bears who are starting to wake up from their winter dens with spring around the corner. Here's the report from Anna Canny on Sea Alaska Heritage Institute's winter internship. We've got the snow on the board, the water on the board, the snow height. On a sunny day at the top of Mount Roberts, Mike Janes is working through a checklist. Snow surface air. He's an avalanche forecaster with Alaska Electric Light and Power. He pulls a new tool out of his backpack. Then he starts to snap the pieces together like a tent pole. And the sky is clear. Then he hands it to Jocelyn and Randa Jackson. Does this look good? Yep, that looks good. She's a senior at Juno Douglas High School, and she spends her study halls out here as SHI's first avalanche forecasting intern. The probe she's got is used to measure depth. She starts tapping into the snowpack. The other thing she can tell when she's doing this is you'll feel the different layers. There might be hard crusts, there might be soft layers, there might be wet layers. Then she hits a stubborn layer. Give that another tap. I'm wondering, yeah, keep going. Suddenly, it plunges deeper until the whole thing is buried. <laughs> it keeps going. That's all the way to the top. SHI runs a bunch of summer science programming, and Aranda Jackson has done a few of their programs before. It's funny because I did do the same camp as well. And I was talking about how I really wanted to get... I'd rather be skiing. I'd just be like, I'd rather be skiing right now. And they're like, okay, Jocelyn. And then, like, the next camp came. I was like, I'd rather be skiing right now, guys. And then somebody came over and was like, hey, so you... I heard you like skiing. I was like, yeah. Chance to ski on the job piqued her interest. She's been skiing at Eagle Crest since she was a kid, so she was always aware of avalanche danger. But what she didn't know is how much work goes into predicting them. It starts with a lot of data collection. She pulls a shovel out of her backpack and starts shoveling snow into a clear plastic tube on a spring. This measures mass. When I first got out here, I didn't think it was so, like, covered in all these different types of measurements. I think that was the most surprising to me, that you can measure it in so many different ways. Um, and then there's so many different tools that could help you predict the snow coverage and all that kind of stuff. But this internship aims to go beyond data. One of the major goals is to help students find a way to pair their indigenous perspectives with a strong identity as STEM professionals. That's where Ellen Bradley can help. She's a Klingit climate scientist, and she shares Aranda Jackson's love of hitting the slopes. She's a semi-professional skier. Usually, she tags along in the field. Through the mentorship program, Bradley shares her personal experience as an Alaska Native scientist navigating a Western academic setting. That's something that I definitely wish that I could have had access to before I went to college. I think it would have really helped me center myself more in my identity and the work that I do within STEM um, and really feel like I had more of a sense of place. In the fall, Arenda Jackson will head to the University of Montana. She plans to study glaciology. After all, it's a field that offers the chance for skiing, even in the summertime. In Juneau, I'm Anna Canny. You're listening to Midday Magazine. I'm Shelby Herbert reporting for KFSK.